0: First reading is from Genesis chapter 41, and John has asked that we hear this reading from verse 8 onwards, rather than what it says in your service sheet, but, uh, and also to give a little background to explain where we are in the story. You'll remember that uh, the cut Joseph interpreted them for them uh, correctly, and a couple of years later, the the cupbearer who had been restored to his position um, forgot all about Joseph, but then So he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us. Giving each man the interpretation of his dream, and things turned out exactly as he had interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he became he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one could interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, A dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river, there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the, green, among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I'd never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven Just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magician explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. So are the seven worthless heads of grain, scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of in Egypt and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man Seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve.
1: The second reading is from St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, page 1019, in the Bibles beside you, from verses 9 9-
2: mission. How many of you have been to the mission field? One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. You're all who haven't put your hand up liars. All right. Or ashamed of yourselves. in worship and portraying the gospel in what they did. If you weren't here last Sunday, you missed a good opportunity. And today we continue back into our workers' mission. So we missed one Sunday, and Tony, where are you? thanks very much for that introduction to this um, passage this morning, because we had left out a little bit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're talking about Bibles. It says, Holy Bible. Help us to remember that you are our holy God. Therefore, to
0: treat the
2: scriptures with reverence and fear, and to learn from what you would say to us today. Please open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. just. Of clothes, and, and within minutes from the prison dungeon cell into the presence of the king. Wow! Joseph is a young man. In fact, he's 30 years of age. The Bible tells us he was a foreigner, who, as far as the authorities are concerned, is a criminal. He's a prisoner, and he's in prison for rape. He's a mar. Throne is a king, Pharaoh himself it's for Joseph, sold by his own. a slave in the house of a guy called Potiphar. Within a very short space of time, Potiphar realizes here is no normal man and he puts this st- presented this to her husband, beastly woman though she was, said, this man came in to rape me and I grabbed him. to them. One of you is going to be restored today into Pharaoh's palace. That was the butler. The baker thought, oh goody, 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 and told his dream. And Joseph said, I'm sorry, you're going to be hanged today. Both dreams came true. Wouldn't you have thought that the butler would have remembered Jesus? But there's terrible words at the end of chapter 40. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Can you imagine what those two years were like? He'd got on quite well with the butler and the baker when they were with him, almost sort of under his command, as it were. He told their dreams, and they both come true. Wouldn't you have thought that the butler would have remembered him and, and said, <coughs> <coughs> your majesty? But no, he forgot him. Oh, those two years must have. when Pharaoh's dream is told, I love this, I just love this, I think it's, you know, the Bible's full of humor, there were two, three, four, six, ten magicians, clever guys, these were the cream of the crop in Egypt, and Pharaoh calls them in, and they come in, and They say, come on then, Pharaoh, tell us your dream and we'll tell you exactly what it was. And as Pharaoh told not only one dream but two, they looked at each other and they wished the ground could have opened up and swallowed them. They hadn't a clue what those dreams were about. I love it. It's actually God. Was it. In the morning, his mind was troubled. He sent for all the Egyptians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know what happened to them afterwards, but uh, I don't suppose they left the king very pleased with themselves. You see, if the butler had remembered Joseph and brought him very, very quickly out of prison on Pharaoh's authority, Pharaoh wouldn't yet have had his dreams. God's timing is always perfect. And invariably, if not always, is different from your timing or mine. I spent 14 years at the end of my flying career loving every minute as a pilot with British Airways. Absolutely loved it. And then God took me out of British Airways 10 years early, sent me to college, and I became a clergyman. I spent the next 14 years as a clergyman asking God, Why did you take me away from flying that I enjoyed so much? Do you know what he said? Nothing except get on with the work, John, I've given you to do. You and I may not know God's plans. We probably don't. All sorts of things happen in our lives. God brings us across all sorts of people. But his timing is perfect. The second point I I want to, to share with us out of this, Joseph was not released before the appointed time because God's timing is usually different from ours and is always the best. The second is from the first, Joseph confessed his God to Pharaoh. Joseph let it be known right from the outset that he, Joseph, was under God's authority. And I just sort of underlined a number of times God comes into this. The first word, the first word in the Hebrew version of the Bible, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I read this from someone else, that's cheating. Um, The first word, actually, that Joseph said to Pharaoh is, no, this guy's the king. He could have you impaled on a stake in a second, and you stand there and say, no. I cannot do it, Joseph replied. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he requires. Again, a little later, God has revealed to Pharaoh. A little later, God has shown Pharaoh what he, God, is about to do. And a little later, the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it. That required incredible courage of that young 30-year-old. You and I haven't a clue about the power that Pharaoh had over life, over Egypt. Three weeks ago, I found myself in Seoul. And before the day before the wedding to which I had gone out, I was taken by the uncle and aunt of the bride to be and shown around part of Seoul. They also took me to the royal palaces. Between two and four hundred years ago, there had been royalty and palaces in uh, Korea, <coughs> like there was nothing else. And we went into one courtyard after another and eventually we went into one particular house. In fact, you couldn't go inside. That was not allowed. But I could look through the open window, and there, fairly high up at the back of the room, facing this way, was a throne all in reds and scarlets and golds and black. Very magnificent sight. And and, and the commentator who was talking to me said, that's where the... King used to sit. Anyone else found sitting in that seat had his life forfeit. Oh, just sitting in the seat? Yes, forfeit. That was the sort of power and authority that Pharaoh had. But there was nothing servile or obsequious about Joseph. The first and greatest thing he wanted Pharaoh to know that he was a servant of the living God. Now Egypt at this time had dozens of gods. In fact we know of at least 10 because 400 years later God stood in battle through Moses for each of those false gods. The Nile, frogs, cattle, all the plagues represent gods whom the Egyptians used to worship. And each one was made a complete mockery by God. Until he took away their firstborn. And then Egypt was willing and ready, after 400 years of having this slave people there, to get rid of them. God was in control. Joseph from the beginning was taking the initiative even with the king and establishing the foundation of his subsequent relationship with Pharaoh. He showed Pharaoh who was his God and whom he served. Thirdly, Joseph explained Pharaoh's dream with authority. You and I of this book. That's why this book is so precious because it is the living word of God. Get to know it. I'm just at the moment in my little private quiet times morning by morning when I'm on my own I'm reading through Psalm 119. There's 178 verses in that psalm. It's the longest chapter in the longest uh, chapter psalm in the, in the Bible, of course. And every single verse, except three of them, mentions the Word of God. Use different names: the Commandments, the Precepts of God, and and, and so on but the authority of the Word of God. I have no authority of my own. This jolly collar, I can just pull it out and throw it away. But I can't pull out the Bible and throw it away because it's God's holy word. And therefore, Joseph, given by God, we don't know how, authority of God, he explains the dream. And all the time he says, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. Then Joseph immediately says at the end of verse 25, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he, God, is going to do. Joseph tells Pharaoh I love this what he Pharaoh has got to do find a man you can trust I suggest you don't look at any of those wise men and magicians, they're not much good find a man you can trust who can look after Egypt these next 14 years 7 years of plenty and 7 years of famine Possibly it was God who put it into Pharaoh's heart. He said, is there any other man like this one, Joseph? If Joseph had upset Pharaoh, he could have been hanged before lunchtime, just as Pharaoh's baker had been hanged. This man, Joseph, was talking to the king. A king like you and I wouldn't understand. But God was in control, and he, Joseph, knew it. For you and me, over 3,000 years later, God is in control still. And we have the eternal promise, I am with you to the very end of the age, and again from Jesus' last words to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That applies to you and me. Not those who go overseas as missionaries, though it applies to them as well not those who leave home and go to some other part of the country in obedience to the Lord to serve him there, but to you and me, you and I who are sat here in these seats Sunday by Sunday, this applies to you. It applies to us. In Pauline language, being confident, he said, of this to the Philippian church that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Jesus Christ. How long is it since God began a good work in you? A few weeks, months, a few years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years? I love that verse. An evangelist called Billy Graham wrote it into my Bible when I was an undergrad in Cambridge University. And in case you should think more highly of me than you ought, I only survived one year at Cambridge. I'm pretty thick between here and here, so I became a pilot instead. But Billy had written this verse into my Bible. And I want to tell you that it has become more precious in these latter years of my life. Some of you will remember David Cain who used to run the office there. A master organist, a master organ builder, brilliant musician, and a great man to lead the um, mechanical, as it were, side of the church. All the administration, you pray for those who work in the office. It's not an easy job. I started talking with David Kane probably about eight years ago, thinking it's about time I stopped preaching and stopped leading worship. And then slowly this verse came back at me. Of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Jesus Christ. Please, is there anyone here who can tell me when the day of Jesus Christ is? What a lot of Christians you are. I asked a man who had been the president of the Keswick Convention. Takes place every year for many, many years the head of a wonderful, big evangelical church in Sheffield, a chap called Philip Hacking. And I was sitting next to Philip about, oh, this is three or four years ago now, and I said, Philip, can you tell me, when is the day of Christ Jesus? Well, he said you ought to know that, John, which wasn't very helpful, actually. It could be when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Are you looking forward to that? Aren't you looking forward to that? It could be the day he calls me into his presence. Around about 11 o'clock on Thursday evening this last week, God called one of our number into his presence. David Graham. And David, who'd known the Lord and served the Lord, and had been a tremendous testimony and witness to men and others in this church, had shared with so many of us. man standing about six foot one, six foot two, a year or two older than myself, Suddenly into the presence of the Lord. Can I tell you what my emotion is? I'm dead jealous. (laughs) But unfortunately, I don't have any control over when I go to be with the Lord. My life, as are yours, are in the hands of the Lord. That's why it is true to say almost you don't need courage. That's a very limited sentence, because God is in control. But if you're really going to stand out for Jesus, you do need courage. The courage of a man like Joseph, who had a supreme understanding that God was in control in his life. And therefore, he was able to go into Pharaoh. I guess he may have had callous bruises between his knees, I don't know. But he went in the confidence of God. You see, God has promised to be with you and me. And he uses people like you and me to talk to others about change. My work is quite arduous these days, I did 12 hours yesterday, I did 10 hours on Friday, another 13 hour day on Thursday and people say, what were you doing John? I say, yes I was retiring. It's hard work this retirement, frequently on the flight deck of an airliner. When things went wrong, which was about every three and a half minutes. I don't want to frighten you, but uh, things do go wrong. The word, oh Christ, came in my ears over my headset that I was reading, listening to the radio and the intercom between the three pilots. And once in a while, not every time, Once in a while, I said, hang on, you're talking about my best friend. Oh, you've got some strange looks from the other two guys on the flight day. But they shot up. And then one of them perhaps might go to the loo or go to speak to one of the air hostesses or whatever. And the other one, once in a while, turned to me and said, what do you mean Christ was your best friend then? There was an opportunity. easier to say, oh, nothing, Captain, nothing. It's amazing that God chooses humans like you and me to carry his message to a world that needs to know him. He could have chosen the wind to broadcast God is love. He could have written it in the clouds. I love you, signs. us. Some of the older members of the congregation will know this hymn. Can you put it up on the screen, please? How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me, thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be, Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. If you think you can do it, forget it. Satan wants to make quite sure you don't and you can't. Therefore, emptied that thou shouldest fill me a clean vessel in thy hand, with no power but as thou givest graciously with each command. Jesus, fill now with thy spirit hearts that full surrender know that the streams of living water from our inner man may flow. How many do know that hymn? Oh, we got a choir here almost. Channels only, blessed Master. But with all thy wondrous power, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Yesterday morning, in the post, I received this little book. I read it right through from cover to cover yesterday. It is a powerful presentation of what it means to be courageous in a world that hates our God. Don't be fooled. Our government is moving step by step inexorably away from the will and the way of God. And we were once so-called Christian Britain. We're not any longer. But God's word is still relevant. God is still in control as we approach this precipice of disaster. God loves you. to use you every one of you and me to touch lives for Jesus now courage yes for no stupid reason did God say to Joshua three times and then it comes a fourth be strong and courageous be strong and very courageous and then he went on to say I am with you. May God bless us for his name's sake. Amen.
1: Thank you, John, for for bringing that word to to us this morning. Let us now stand and say the creed together as we...